What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is a Friday edition. Rolling into the weekend. Excited for it. We're also going to have... I'm Will Brinson, by the way, the host of this daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. It might be the offseason, but that doesn't matter. We still do it daily. Coming up today, R.J. White, who's on the phone with me right now, or the, the Skype machine with me right now, and I will break down the AFC West, one of the more intriguing divisions, I think, in terms of the over-unders. And um, then on Monday, and maybe the Monday after, this sort of a reminder, a notes version of this, is that we're going to be doing a mailbag edition of the podcast, which means you, the listeners, who have all these weird questions about me and Sean and Ryan and, and Breach, maybe RJ, maybe Pete, maybe Brady, whoever you want to ask about, or if you want to ask about football, you can ask about anything. We had people ask us, uh, you know, what super friend would you want to be stuck with on a desert island? If you had to pick one of us, RJ, me, Ryan, Sean, and Breach, who would you go with for the desert island choice? Like you're like no technology. It's not like who do I like the best? And I want to spend the time with. I mean, like you got to be strategic about it. Who would you go with? Um, it, that depends. Have you changed your name officially to Will Brinson? By the way, because I mean, it's sort of every podcast. That's who you call yourself. By I'm the Will way, Brinson, by, by the way. way, yeah, I know. I just keep forgetting to mention my name. Um, yeah, you can have. Um, you can have. Yeah, you can have Will Brinson. By the way, I would. Uh, I think I would take. It's a close heat between, for me, and I'll answer this, on, I don't want to spoil it, but it's a close heat for me between um, Sean and, uh, and, and Breach. I think that Sean's youthfulness gives him an advantage in this situation, and um, Ryan's age takes him out of the equation. I'd probably, I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'd be like the, the most, like if, you're, you know, if you had to eat like somebody, maybe I would be the, like the most appetizing because I'm... The, uh, right. Well, well, the problem with Sean is Sean is the youngest, so he's the millennial of the group, and mm. not having that screen in front of him, you figure he would go crazy before anyone else. That's a good you know, point. You, figure, you bring Ryan along, at least he, you know, knows how to keep himself entertained when he doesn't have a screen in front of his face. So that's a great point. That's a great point. Ryan might be willing to survive longer than Sean. Sean might just be like, I give up and go drown himself in the ocean or something. And plus, like, who knows if he has? I know we said no technology, but maybe he has. Uh, maybe like he has a. a a Walkman that he brought along, and the only thing he has is a, a brand new uh, album, and so you're forced for the rest of your life to listen to brand new on a deserted island. Plus, at some point, you know, you're you're reenacting the movie Castaway. Yes, and you you already have a Wilson right there, so you can just <laughs> call him Wilson. There that's, you go. That's a good point. Ah, that's a great point. All right, we're steal all those for our mailbag show. Uh, anyway, you can have your questions answered in the mailbag. If you go to iTunes and leave a five-star review and ask a question, any question, as long as it's appropriate for the podcast, we will answer it. If it is on, if it is a five-star review on iTunes and it's there before we record the podcast around 2 p.m. on Friday, we will answer it. If you want to tweet me, you can tweet at me. It's probably easier to DM me. Sometimes Twitter just doesn't show the ats. Um, or you can email me, willbrinson at gmail.com. Uh, we will answer all of those in the next week or so. And maybe we'll make it a recurring thing because you guys have interesting questions because you're a bunch of um, weirdos just like us. Let's get to some news and then we'll dive into the AFC West. I mean that in a, in a sweet and kind way. Um, first up, RJ, I don't know if you know this, huge Patriots trade. Michael Roberts, tight end, acquired from the Lions for a conditional seventh round pick on a scale of one to ten. Uh, how where, where, where does this rank with your fantasy radar? You know, you, you joke and you say huge, but you never know. It could be a huge thing. They do this all the time. They just steal guys for nothing and then they turn out to be key players. So 
you know, fantasy wise, I don't know if you could trust him much coming out. He still has to win win the posi- win the uh, role of, of top tight end, but he's a talented guy. He's obviously more of a receiver than a blocker. That was always his mo in Detroit. So they saw something there. They have a lot of familiarity with that organization. So who knows? You come if you play in a, a 32 team league where you got to have a backup tight end. You know, you definitely want to have that guy on your radar there. But talking about your standard 12 team leagues, most of us carry one tight end. I don't think you have to worry about him yet, but definitely a name to keep an eye on. I mean, you could throw him onto a dynasty roster too. Like there's a, like Matt Lacoste and Benjamin Watson, who's suspended four games. Um, they cut Austin Sperian Jenkins. Rob Gronkowski retired. I don't know. They're worse. They're worse guys to have on a on a dynasty roster if you happen to see the Patriots starting tight end by the end of the day. I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, part of the issue too with that is that this was a pretty really good draft for tight ends. So right. if you're adding him and you, who you're cutting out, you know, you're talking about Kali Waring or, or some of those deeper Dawson Knox guys. Who would you who would you rather have, Khalil Waring or uh, Michael Roberts? Uh, I kind of like Waring just because he he hasn't failed yet in one organization. You know, he's still got <laughs> his whole future ahead of him. I think I think. I did a rookie draft um, in a dynasty league, and I think Waring might have gone undrafted. No way, right? That's not possible. He did. He's, he's like a mid-round tight end. It's not not that. Well, I, I only had two picks. I traded my first and second round pick for uh, Trey Burton, which is a mistake, um, for the second rounder, and then Brandon Cooks for the first rounder. So that was fine. Um, but Khalil Waring went undrafted. I'm kind of surprised. I, might, I, mean, I assume you have to start a tight end in this league. My dynasty league, we don't have to start tight ends. So uh, yeah, he's yeah, going yeah. to go undrafted in mine. But even it, even if you're talking about you have to draft, it, you have to start a tight end. I don't know that I'm specifically drafting because these tight ends take a little while to get into the mix. You know, so yeah. unless you're one of these big name guys in the first round, I don't think you can count on a guy for a few years anyway. So why why are you going to you know lock him up that roster spot and for for two or three years when you just go scoop that guy up in a couple of years down the road? Yeah, I didn't. I I drafted Dexter Williams with Green. Bay with my last rookie pick because I have Hunter Henry, Trey Burton, Vance McDonald. Just felt like a little redundant to grab Khalil Waring. Um, Anyway, that's Patriots tight end talk. Do you? What do you think the Patriots can look like on offense? Uh, It's hard to say. Every time you think you have them, you know, pegged in in a certain hole, then they roll out something else. You know, who who would have thought that they would be a team that drafted a running back in the first round? But they did that last year. So, I you know, I could see them committing more to the run when they don't have as uh, proven receiving options in the in their. in their weaponry this year. Um, so it wouldn't be surprising to go short passing in like they always do, but then focus a little more on the run and, and, and kind of get back to maybe a two headed monster in the running attack. Mm. And Brady doesn't have to throw it as much. I like Damian Harris a lot this year. I think that's a good, that's a good rookie pick. Uh, elsewhere in the news, the, uh, the Colts have paid Kenny Moore. They made him the highest paid slot corner in the NFL. It's kind of, I mean, this is a weird, weird day for like, like uh, nitty gritty NFL news. Were you surprised to see this move? Does it bother you? Do you think it's a smart move? Do you just blindly trust Chris Ballard? Earlier in the week, they locked up their punter to a multi-year deal. And then they locked up their long snapper to a multi-year deal. (laughs) And now they got the slot corner in there. So, you know, only 50 more extensions to go. They're getting there. Um, But no, I think it's a good deal. He's been in the league, I think two years now. He, he had a really good year, I think his first year and, and another solid year last year. So, um, that's the type of guy I'm looking to pay this guy that is 
really not dipped in terms of um, what he's produced on the field and way outperformed he's undrafted out of Aldosa State. You know, wasn't supposed to be anything in this league, and all of a sudden he's one of the best slot corners in the league. So I like the, you know, this is the Colts. They had the most cap room um, in the league going into the, going into before they signed him. So they got to spend that money somewhere. So it might as well, especially if you can stagger it to where you're, you're getting that big cap hit up front. Um, we're not using that cap space anyway. Might as well structure it to where you get to use, burn off some of it here, and then you have a good asset down the road. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, again, I'm joking, but I do kind of blindly trust Chris Ballard and with the way that he's operated lately. And I tend to think that if he he thinks Kenny Moore is a guy that can operate in the slot for them and move outside a little bit and could be a, a long-term asset that it's smart to pay him now. The NFL changed the pass interference rule again now as John Breach wrote on our website, coaches will not be allowed to challenge pass interference calls in the final two minutes of a game, which, as Breach notes, is a huge difference from May when NFL owners voted to allow them to do just that. This is the second time this offseason that owners have uh, have changed the rule. So kind of weird. Um, I do kind of like this, though. I think that this should be booth-initiated in the final two minutes uh, of the game. It shouldn't be a challengeable thing. You're asking for coaches to get too much scrutiny, and it should be more like the NHL, where every like every like just just take a look at it. Al Riveron, you're sitting there in your office with your feet up, watching a bunch of football. Just take a look at it. You can tell by the way that this process has unfolded this off season with with how much um, you know they've been on the same page that this is definitely going to get to the regular season and we're all going to see it run smoothly and there's not going to be any instances and so that, <laughs> that issue that happened back in the NFC Championship game you know put that out of your mind we fixed the system now moving forward don't have to worry about replay at all it's uh if I had an officer Bar Brady sound drive nothing everything's fine move along nothing to see here people um, speaking of everything's fine. We talked to Mary Kay Cabot this week about the Browns. And I thought, I don't know if you heard the podcast or not. If you didn't, it's fine. Um, if, if, if people listening haven't, didn't hear it, I would suggest they go check it out. It was a very good show. But Mary Kay pointed out that this offense, they don't really know what they're doing yet. And they're sort of building it on the fly, combining, um, you know, what Freddie Kitchens runs with what Todd Munkin runs and sort of building it out as they go. And I, th- I just think if you're looking for red flags potentially for why the Browns might not be the Super Bowl contender out of the gate, uh, their schedule is tough. They're building this new offense. And apparently, according to Mike Silver of, um, yeah, of, of the NFL, of NFL.com or NFL Network, Multiple players confronted Baker Mayfield at some point after his comments were made on June 4th about Duke Johnson wanting a trade. That's kind of a red flag, right? Well, and then he goes on to say they hashed it out. So I sure. think it's a thing where they're like, listen, you're, you're 20, what, two, 23, whatever, however old he is. Like, this is the kind of thing that Baker doesn't know yet. You know, B- Baker was very talented uh, in his first year, but he doesn't know everything about playing quarterback or being a leader. And he'll get there. And there's just something that, hey, you know, pull him to the side and say, that's not cool what you did. This is how you got to approach that situation. You know, th- you know, we understand do it right the next time, you know, but we're good here. You know, there's not, I don't think there's anything simmering. The interesting thing was then Silver went on to report, you're talking about Monkin and, and Kitchens. I think his next tweet was, oh, and by the way, the Monkin offense isn't really working and Kitchens has to do more than, than he previously thought. And that's the part that worries me. It's well, like you, you, you get your choice of who you hire. You know, it's not like you have to bring in Todd Monkin or, 
or they just roll things up in a boggle dice and you just get whatever is, throw, is thrown right, at you and that's right. what you have to work with. You know, you get your choice. I, I do like that idea, in, though. Figure, yeah, that would like, be awesome. Like boggle uh, dice and it's like, all right, here's your defensive coordinator. Bill and, Belichick. Yeah, so here's defensive, your, yeah. yeah. Rex Ryan is now Bill Belichick's defensive <laughs> yeah. coordinator. Like, and, here's, your, here's, your, here's your OL coach. Unfortunately, it's Tom Cable and you're screwed. So, yeah, so that's the part that worries me because you figured you would go into the situation kind of knowing what you're getting, and it seems like they don't. And and now Kitchens has more on his plate, and he's the first-time head coach who who's now skyrocketed into this prominent position and supposed to be shepherding this team that's going to win the AFC North, a lot of people are saying. Mm. They're the favorite. Like, I don't know. It, it takes – they have, obviously have all the talent in the world. If, if you were building a Madden team, this would be a great Madden team. But there's a lot more that goes into to, into building a contender and building a championship than just having all the talent. You know, you got to get everything else right and be cohesive. And, and all these things. And that's really kind of a question mark at this point. We don't know what we're getting from these guys. So it'll be interesting to see. I would have loved, obviously, I don't think they were in the running, but I would have loved to have this team on Hard Knocks this year. Yes. So I would have loved to see how, the, how this would have uh, you know played out in front of everyone, in front of the cameras. Yeah, I mean, it, this would be more entertaining with a first-year head coach and just watching Hugh Jackson play his dainty little power games. I, I, I mean, I've had my my antenna up on the Browns. Like I love the Browns. I love what they're doing. I love John Dorsey. I love Freddie kitchens, love Baker Mayfield. Odo Beckham's a superstar. Nick Chubb is one of my top five favorite running backs in the NFL. I'm all in on this Browns team. Miles Garrett's great, but my, my red, they're just, there's too much hype for him. And the, the over under total is too big and they shouldn't be favored to win the division. And I, I get, I get why I get why they are. I get all, I get it all. But um, to me, this is just more of like, Okay, maybe we should pump the brakes on this team just a little bit. And I, I will echo what I've said for a couple months now. Like, hammer the Steelers to win the division at plus 180. That's good value. And you should take it now before it drops. Cause I think some of this stuff will creep out. Maybe the Browns struggle a little bit in the preseason and training camp. Maybe somebody gets hurt on all of a sudden the Steelers are minus 120. I would take the value now while you can get it. Yeah, you saying Nick Chubb is one of your top five favorite running backs in the NFL is actually bigger than people know because I know number one is Jalen Samuels, number two is Naheem Hines. So there's really three spots left on that list. Christian McCaffrey, of course. Um, of course. Not Saquon Barkley. No, I mean, I think if you were picking, if I were, if you were drafting five, if you're, you had, you have five running backs you can take and for like, for the long haul, right? So you're, you're, it's, you know, it's like the quarterback draft. Who would your top five Dynasty, like you're building a team. Who would your top five running backs be? Saquon's one, McCaffrey two, Kamara three. Kamara's got to be there. Zeke four. I think you make the case maybe Mixon or Chubb is five. Maybe. It, it kind of, I guess it depends on what you're looking for. You could have those guys. You could go for, you know, Connor is, uh, is, eh. fits in well in that system. He's, it depends on what system you're running. Depend, you know, he's not going to fit in for everyone. David Johnson, I still believe in, even though he, uh, Johnson, that's, with that's, that, that's a good answer. That terrible offense last year. So I don't know. It's hard, hard to say. Chubb, you know, up there, obviously, he's probably top 10 for everyone. So you can argue about the particulars when to get past those first three guys. This would be a good time to point out what the results were of our uh, May uh, magazine draft or June magazine draft, but we're not allowed to do that. So buy, go buy the CBS Sports Fantasy Magazine in partnership with Beckett. It's on your newsstands. You can find it at, at like the grocery store at Harris Teeter. It's like six bucks. Go support the family. If you listen to the podcast every day, my stuff's in it. RJ, RJ stuff's in it. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, of course, Chris Towers. So go buy that magazine. If you see it at your local grocery store, it's well worth the investment. It's actually a really good magazine. Plus, you'll, I've won the league two years in a row. I'm, I stink in August because I get in my head. 
But in June and May, I'm, I'm an NFL savant. And so you should look at my rankings in June. And uh, take note because I'm going to win it this year. So go buy the magazine, look <laughs> at our teams, and then send in to whenever next time uh, Brinson does a podcast mailbag, send in and tell, <laughs> tell him how much better my team is than his. I, my team is really, really good, by the way. Um, at any rate, all right, let's, uh, let's just go and take it. Was, I think that's it for the news. Uh, the Cardinals cut David Amerson. I, I can't not mention that. He's an NC State guy. Not surprising that he would be cut, though. Um, let's take a quick. A little surprising because. Patrick Peterson is suspended for the first six games. So why why are you getting rid of cornerbacks this and, early? And you, you want to keep them around and see who wins that job. And the GM's an NC State guy. What are you doing, Kime? Cutting it. Cutting weird. Games? Yeah, it is weird. Um, Amberson is very hit or miss. He's very sort of moody type of guy. Like if he, if he's feeling it, he'll play great. If not, he you know he'll he'll shut down. And I guess they just feel like they're loaded at cornerback. I don't know. They're not very good. That defense is gonna be bad. Um, let's talk. AFC West, though, not, not NFC West. We'll talk AFC West after this break. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right. So the AFC West, RJ, I'm going to come out of the gate and say that my one of my favorite three bets in the NFL this year is the Chargers to win the division at plus 220. Your thoughts on that? I love it, especially if you can get plus 220 because the, the books I saw at Westgate, it's like plus 160. Really? So, yeah. Wow. So I, and, and, I, and I have that circled as one that I'm looking to bet, too. So at plus 220, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll definitely shop around when I make my annual pilgrimage over to Vegas and, and throw down some of these futures bets. And uh, that's definitely when I'm, I'm going to be shopping around because, you know, we, last year we, we both loved the Chiefs to win yep, the division. We and, sure did. And I went in thinking I was going to get them plus 275, shopped around, got them plus 320. So I got a plus 350. It was the and granted, it was closer than it should have been. Like they, like they could have lost the division to the Chargers in that in that home game, but I mean right. it was a it was a that Chiefs over was like it was like eight games. It was the biggest lock on the planet, and they cruised the division. That was I, I feel like this is exactly like that this year, but inverse with the Chargers. 
yeah, you can make a case for that. We're going to go team by team, so you know, I don't want to get dive too too deep into that this year. So why don't you just set it up, set me up, and tell me what team we're talking about first? Well, let's go in uh, order of the. Uh, we'll start with the minus one eighty Chiefs. I hate that bet, by the way. Don't bet on the Chiefs minus one eighty. The Chiefs uh, to win the division. That those are their odds. But the Kansas City Chiefs uh, win total this year is ten and a half. The over at the Westgate is plus one thirty, and the under is minus. 150 what are your thoughts uh initially on the chiefs i i want i really want to go under here you know i don't like but but i don't like betting what minus 150 so i probably won't bet the under but i think that's the only clear way to go we were all over them last year like we just said we thought mahomes could break out we cashed big on those division bets i'm not sure everything's going to break right this year i don't think you can expect mahomes to have a full repeat i'm not saying that i, I pulled apart his game and i can see how they're going to exploit him but he's got a, a year on tape now and and that was the uh, the crowning achievement of the NFL was that offense going into last year, much like uh, Sean McVay was. Sean, Sean McVay's offense didn't come out and sputter. You know, they still had a good year, but I don't think they were as good as they were maybe were the year before as far as the regular season goes. Um, I think people could start to catch up with the Chiefs. Um, you, then you look at the Tyreek Hill suspension. What happens if Sammy Watkins misses time with injury like he's wont to do? Travis Kelsey recovering from ankle surgery. I think he'll be fine heading into the season, but what if that lingers throughout the year? I think the running game might be a bit of a question mark i think the line has to overcome the loss of uh, mitch morris in the, in the offseason so who knows how how that so I, I don't know that this all the moving parts on the offense are going to click as much as they did last year so we'll have to see about that and then we get to the defense where they've changed the scheme they've turned over almost all the personnel you know chris jones is the best player but who's the leader in the locker room you know eric barry's gone um all those guys d4 justin houston those guys are all gone who's the guy that steps up and takes control and is the leader because they brought in a lot of talent but they don't really have a pecking order. So who, who knows how it all gels together? Uh, I don't know what they'll get out of Frank Clark now that he's been paid. We expect him to be a, a really good player, but you always have, have to keep that in the back of your mind. What happens if now that he's got all his guaranteed money, um, is he going to be as, as champing at the bit 100%, 100% of the time every single down? I don't know. Um, I don't know if the defense comes together when you start taking things into account like that. So if the offense is just good to great instead of historically good, the defense is still bad. What is this team going to be? I don't think it's going to be 12 and four scoring 40 points a game. You know, I think we're, we're going to hit the under there. So I say take the under. I think my best value bet might be take the Chiefs to miss the playoffs at Ooh. plus 300. I, know, I don't know that they necessarily will, but plus 300, three to one odds. I think those are really good odds to get that because we see a lot of these rising teams. We've talked about the Browns. You know, a lot of people see the Browns as a playoff team. Steelers are still good. Ravens made the playoffs last year. The AFC East is getting better behind behind the Patriots. I don't think the the Jets and Bills are powerhouses, but they could be in the mix. Then AFC, AFC uh, South is the one division where every over under is eight or, or or higher. So everybody expects all those teams to be solid. So this could be a really competitive conference. And for a long time, it's just been Patriots and and everybody else is kind of garbage and, and who, everybody else is playing for a second. But this seems like a deep conference this year, and you could really see if things start to snowball on the Chiefs, they go eight and eight. Nine and seven and miss the playoffs. I'm with you 100. percent I think, especially on the fact you can't pay the 150 to take the under on ten and a half and the Chiefs because we looked at the schedule last year and it was like, well, this is really hard. The Chiefs have seven tough games and they came out just blitzkrieged everybody. But when you look at the sort of the you know the 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 stats surrounding it, the you know um, basically the. Like the their expected win loss last year was ten ten point seven wins according to the Pythagorean theorem. So that means they won two, they won twelve. They got a one point three plus win you know uh, wins on that. That's a lot. Uh, adjusted games lost according to Football Outsiders they were ninth. 
they jumped up from 19th to 9th. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge bump. I mean, they were very lucky from an injury perspective. When you look at, uh, again, football outsiders, adjusted interceptions, number one, Sam Darnold, number two, Patrick Mahomes. He had 12 picks, should have had 21, according to football outsiders. So from that perspective, he was very lucky. Again, the schedule, they open up with three of four on the road. I think the Raiders are a better team. I think the Broncos are a better team. I think the Chargers are a very good team. They play at the Jaguars, at Raiders, Ravens at home, and at the Lions. Now, if they were 4-0 and after that, I wouldn't flinch at all. Um, but then things get really – like, if they stumble and go 2-2 two and two out of the gates, that's a big problem because they get the Colts at home, Texans at home, at Broncos, Packers, Vikings, at Titans, at Chargers. And then after the bye, they have road trips to the Patriots and Bears in bad weather. They have the Chargers one more time at home in, in week 17. And um, I, I just think this is a tough schedule. And in my in my opinion, when you're betting these things, betting the over on a, a double digit is a dangerous proposition with anyone not named the Patriots. So uh, I am with you 100% there. And that doesn't even factor in – I mean, I know Tyreek Hill is the investigation might have been suspended or he might have been cleared or whatever, whatever phrase they're using there. But he can easily still be suspended a lengthy amount of time by the NFL. Right. Yeah. The, the NFL marches by the beat of its own drum. So just because the police, the police have cleared Tyreek Hill doesn't mean he's going to get off with anything. I'd be surprised if he got, he got off without getting suspended, at least, you know, four games, six games, I, whatever, they, whatever arbitrary number they decide, seven and a half game, who knows uh, what they're going to decide. But uh, I would be surprised if he got off scot-free. And, and, you know, like I was saying with Sammy Watkins, he, he has trouble staying healthy. I know that as a Bills fan that he could never stay healthy. So if you, if you get down those two guys, you're talking about rookie Miko Hardman and like then to, what? DeMar- to Marcus Robinson and, 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 and Marcus who, Kemp and Garrick Dieter. Yeah. And Byron Pringle. Are these real names? What is happening here? Garrick Dieter and Byron Pringle sound like the stars of whatever <laughs> HBO's new 30 minute comedy is to, to run with Silicon Valley. <laughs> Byron Pringle. Who drafted? Who, who signed Byron? Felton Davis the third. Is this a joke? What is happening with this depth chart here? And you're right. Again, if Travis Kelsey goes down and you're missing Tyreek Hill, Mahomes is going to have some regression anyway. I, I'm with you on the under. Um, one under I don't like, but everybody knew this before we even started this podcast. I love the, Sa- the San Diego t- three years. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers over under nine and a half. The over is minus 140. That is a lot. Don't get me wrong. I just said you don't want to bet 150, so I don't want to bet 140. But nine and a half, I think that's too low for the Chargers, who I believe uh, are a 10 win team. RJ, what say you? I think it's definitely too low, too. I'm, I'm much more confident in them than the Chiefs in this division. I talked about Chiefs, Chiefs missing the playoffs. I, I agree that the best bet is plus 160 to win the division. I don't know that I'd take the minus one, 140, but I do think it's pretty solid. So if you want to play that minus 140, I have no problem with it. It was a top five-ish offense last year. Hunter Henry will be back. You know, he didn't play there. Top 10 defense last year. They've gotten better. Um, they didn't lose any really key players, but they added Tillery, Adderley, and Thomas Davis on D. That's a, that's a lot of talent coming in to what they already had, with the especially the pass rush. So that's going to help him in the middle of the field, which is where they had an issue on defense. Uh, Rivers hasn't slowed down. You, you know, you could speak to that better than anyone. Best completion percentage since 2013 last year. Best yards per attempt since 2010. I mean, his, his stats still look like he looks like Brady, like he can keep playing until he's 45 if he wants. Um, travel can be tough for them, you know, playing on the West Coast. They have games at Detroit, Miami, Tennessee, Chicago, Jacksonville. Not that the, all those are tough teams. It's just a, t- a tough travel for having to, to, to go from L.A. They were 7-1 on, on the road in 2018 last year, though. So 
that they've proven they can travel and play well, and they're not they're not going to fall. That may be a little bit easier travel schedule for them last year. But I think the other question mark for me is the offensive line. Uh, you know, it's not a question mark is the kicking. It might actually be fine for once. You know, Michael Bass. What a world! What a world! Fifteen for sixteen on field goals and twenty-seven of twenty-eight on extra points. So if he locks down that spot, that's huge because we've seen you know one or two games shift just on the kicking with the Chargers year in and year out. And if kicking's not going to be an issue with them, that's the kind of thing that puts you from a nine and seventeen to a ten and six, eleven and five, and and you cash that over. So I love it. I think it's good value even at minus one forty. Um, another one is sixteen to one to win the Super Bowl isn't crazy. You know, I. I could see experienced quarterback. They've all gelled together. Uh, Will picks them to win the Super Bowl every year, so he's going to be biased in this sense. I'm, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm picking Chargers over Vikings for the Super Bowl this year. Sixteen to one is the odds we're getting on Cleveland to win the Super Bowl, and who you're going to trust more? Yeah. You know the, that nice. Cleveland team with a lot of talent, but a lot of question marks, and still ha- we haven't seen it come together yet. Or these Chargers, which just went twelve and four, what top five team in the NFL, even though they finished second in their division. You know, just a juggernaut for a lot of the season. And uh, I'm taking them at sixteen to one over Cleveland. So I, that might be a really good value bet for the Super Bowl. And yeah, take anything positive you can on the Chargers. I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you know, one, one other thing to look at when you look at the Chargers again, they're like the Chiefs. They exceeded their win expectancy, ten point four. They won twelve games, but you got to remember they laid two eggs. I mean, I guess week one against the Chiefs, they lose thirty eight twenty eight in a huge egg. But I mean, like every Chargers team, and they lost the Rams too. In fact. I guess those aren't really eggs. They lost to two of the best teams in football um, in the first three weeks of the season. It sort of masked what we thought about the Chargers. And then they went on this great win streak. They had that one close one-point loss to the Broncos um, and then lost to the, the Ravens on uh, w- w- the Saturday before Christmas Eve. Uh, and, and so, I mean, of course, lost to the Patriots in the in the playoffs. But, I mean, that was their, you know, that was their five losses. That's Nothing to be ashamed of that. They won in Pittsburgh. They won in Seattle. They won in Kansas City. They won in Denver. They went. They won in Cleveland by 24, which I guess is not a huge deal because it was against uh, old, old Hugh Jackson there. But they went to Buffalo in week two, which is a classic Chargers collapse game, and they, they stomped the Bills 31-20. to 20. I, I just think this is a team that, like, you've got – Two veteran coordinators in Ken Wisenhunt and Gus Bradley, who are good at what they do, as much as you want to mock them for for their head coaching resumes. Um, you have Anthony Lynn, who's sort of come into his own and sort of discovered how to how to be a, a, a head coach and not make the same mistakes. And I look at this Chargers schedule in, in September, and I would normally, I mean, look, it's possible they go two and two because it's what the Chargers do. Um, but they're Colts at home at the Lions, Texans at home, at the Dolphins. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable for them to win all four of those games. Now, they probably won't because they're the Chargers, but it's not unreasonable. And if they do that, they still have two games against the Raiders, of course, two games against the Chiefs, probably split those. They get the Titans, the Broncos twice. I just think they come out of the gates hot and really surprise some people. And I do think Phillip Rivers is going to be in an MVP type of year maybe not not quite up to that snuff but he's got so many weapons and melvin gordon's playing so well i i just think this is maybe the best team in the afc if they can get to the playoffs and, and not screw it up against the patriots uh, they could make a deep run I, I agree with you i like their super Bowl odds yeah best maybe best team in the afc from september to december once once we flip to january we know who the best team in the afc is the patriots yes of course, of course. yes um okay the Sorry, my wife wants to know where the Nintendo is for my son. Um, 
That, have, you, have you heard that Robbie makes me read him Nintendo stories at night? I like telling people this. I mentioned on the podcast yeah. like once a day. I have to read 30 uh, original Nintendo stories every night before bed. It's very exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's like once upon a time, there were two little brothers named Mario and Luigi. Uh, the Denver Broncos, that is actually what I do every single night. The Denver Broncos over under seven, a big gap here between the uh, top two teams and the third team over seven minus 120 under seven even. What do you think about that one, RJ? I think that uh, if I had it my way, we would turn these offseason podcasts into you just reading Nintendo stories to our listeners for about an hour. But, and right, then I have, to, right. I, I have to do balloon fight. Like once upon a time, there were two two boys named Robbie and Daddy. And they had to fight. A balloon. It's, it's every single night. It's unbelievable. I, I, I would listen to it going to sleep if you want to live, live stream that and, and we can put that on. And, and I think everybody will love that listening to some, some old school Nintendo stories. Uh, I think seven is probably a good number for the Broncos. I wouldn't take the under. Um, I don't love the over. Uh, they went six and ten last year, but they had seven point four wins per Pythagorean record. So they kind of outperformed what their record said they would. Still should have a great defense centered around that excellent pass rush. You know, I know they've lost some players here and there. You know, throughout throughout their last few years, but I think there's enough there. You know, keying off that pass rush, and they brought brought in enough talent that defense is still going to be good. I think someone has to step up in the receiving game, but the talent is there. You know, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton should be better in year two. I think Fant can make an immediate impact, even though we don't expect tight ends to perform too well in their first year. I think he's such a dynamic player that he's going to have an impact on that offense right away. So if, if Emmanuel Sanders can stay healthy you know that's pretty good passing game weapons we'll see how much it coalesces around joe flacco i think even with flacco at qb this is a team that can pair a solid offense with a great d and win eight games so i you know i would lean to the over even though i don't love it um i'm probably just staying away at seven i think seven's a good number yeah i tend to agree with that we don't know anything about what vic fangio will be as a head coach although i do think it's a little bit of like a mike zimmer bump here where this longtime guy will you know old school football dude will motivate his players I like their opening schedule, even though two or three are on the road. Um, they're at the Raiders, and uh, it's a very winnable game, certainly if Denver is in, in shape. They get the Bears at home in week two. Vic Fangio will know what to do against Mitchell Trubisky. And then Vic Fangio is at, at the Packers in week three. Now, that's not an easy game, of course, but I think he'll be able to game plan against Aaron Rodgers, who he saw multiple times over the last few years. When you look at Denver um, – 7.4 expected wins last year. They won six of them. I think you can attribute that directly to to uh, how Vance Joseph mishandled multiple games. And I think at one point, RJ, it was like week eight or nine, and the Broncos were the only team in the NFL that were, that were both uh, top ten in DVOA and offense and defense, which is – was just weird. Like they were right. like a, a three-win team, and they were top ten in uh, offense and defense. I actually don't. I mean, this will. This is sounds stupid. It is stupid. I can't believe I'm saying it. If their Super Bowl odds are forty to one, that's not a terrible bet. Yeah, I'm not taking. I'm not taking that first year right. head coach with Joe Flacco quarterback. I'll find. I'll find better. You know, I think. You know, Jets are eighty to one. <laughs> Titans are a hundred to one. Like maybe I'm looking there over just forty to one in Denver. I, I don't like that in the division. Right. I know they're not going to win the division. So, well, I don't think we. I mean, we don't know that. I'll say this. The, the one thing that I think is being underrated here is, and it includes when we talk about the Steelers, the addition of Mike Munchak. Cause they pump some research, they pump resources into that, into that, uh, into that offensive line. You have Garrett Bowles. Um, you know, they got, um, Dalton Reisner in the draft in the second round this year. They, they picked up Ronald Leary in free agency. They draft, they signed Juwan James. I mean, they got some pieces on the offensive line. 
They add Noah Fant. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't hate. I. I, I am. I people. In the, Ryan and and Sean and Breach accuse me of being pro Broncos for some weird reason, but I li- I kind of like this Broncos offense. I feel like Royce Freeman is a guy I'm targeting in drafts because he's way underrated, and, and Philip Lindsay's still hurt. He could step in and be an impact guy. Lindsay was very good last year, and as you point out, like the defense has studs on there. The pass rush is fantastic. Now I'm not saying I think they'll win the Super Bowl. I don't I don't think it's going to happen. I but I mean I don't know. I mean like I I would lean over here. I don't love the over, but I would leave. I mean, I, I just think I think they could end up being a better team than people expect. The one real concern you have when you look at the schedule is after the bye in week 10, they have five games. This is a this is a horrific stretch at Minnesota, at Buffalo, Chargers at home, at Texans, at Chiefs. I mean, that that that, that might be 0 and 5 in that stretch, and that would snuff out any Super Bowl hopes pretty quickly. Yeah, if you're drinking the Brinson Kool-Aid here, the the realistic bet you want to make is take Denver to make the playoffs at plus 425. You know, I think that's what you can get at, at Westgate right now. So, so that that's something you can a long shot bet that you can cheer for. That's not like the Super Bowl bet that you know isn't coming in. But uh, you know, you looked at that game. You talk about the the Bears game in Week Two. Denver tends to surprise people at home early in the season, just because you spend those uh, those uh, camp those August camp things down at sea level, and, and teams just aren't used to playing at altitude. Well, then those Denver players are more used to it and they tend to they'll be like three-point dogs or, or you know small favorites and then they'll roll teams sometimes and you don't really expect it because you're just looking at the quality of the team overall and what they did last year and and they take you by surprise so that I, and can, then you throw in Fangio's familiarity with with Chicago I'm definitely looking to play Denver I don't care what you put the line I'm gonna I'm they're gonna be underrated I'll play them at yeah, week th- they'll definitely be they'll be like if they lose in week one and Chicago rolls they'll be like Three point dogs at home to Chicago in week two, and that's three a, three and a half maybe. An you know, automa- if, if automatic. If Chicago looks bad. It could it could get it could open three and get bet up. An automatic hammer. That's a, like right. I, I think I said earlier in the podcast this this off season. Like that's probably on my best bets for week two already. Um, so enjoy that, people. Uh, the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. I should probably have had the over under pulled up for them. I was so busy getting their stat page. The Raiders are. Oh my goodness. Over under six. That is low. Minus one thirty under oh, minus one thirty for the over, plus one ten for the under. You know, RJ, one of my biggest regrets in life is not putting about a hundred times more than I did on the Raiders under of eight wins last year. Because I I loved it. I loved it like I loved the Chiefs over, and I didn't bet them as much as I like I, I should have max bet them. Like taking everything I could have possibly bet on those two teams and bet them because I, I, I you're not going to be more right than I was about those teams. Right, and then how much was your multiplier that you got paid out? Did you still get paid out minus one twenty or? Yeah, exactly. What, if you would have put more on, would they giving you ten to one or? Wait, I mean, wait, wait, what do you mean? My, like, my biggest regret in life is not betting Leicester City to win the Premier League that that year. They were five thousand to one to do it. No, you know? but I mean, like, no, but like, no, but like, I actually bet the Raiders, and I loved. I like, I bet the Raiders under it for like forty bucks in Vegas. You got you to stick to your unit. And it doesn't matter how much you believe in it. You can't like just throw the house at one bet. You know, oh. you just kind of got to stick to your your uh, your guns on how you make bets. What are we going to manage bankrolls now? Is that what, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Managing, just trying to help. Will. Managing bankrolls is very important. I'm terrible at it. I wish I. Was is better at it. RJ is very good at it. Um, I actually question for um, for you about that because I think this would be helpful for people that don't like. I think a lot of people listen to this podcast are like, oh, like I get DMs a bunch where people were like, hey, 
Um, I, I kind of want to bet on some games. What do I do here? Like, where do I go? When it comes to your bankroll management, when you're making, and you don't make week-to-week because it's not legal yet, you don't make week-to-week bets. You make your picks on Sportsline, and they're very good. Um, but, like, when, when, you, when you do your bankroll management, what is your system? Excel? Like, so what, like, what, do, you, like, what, do, you, what do you operate with there? Yeah, I know I do a lot of stuff in Excel. If you're talking about just following what I do, you know, I got Excel sheets coming out. Come, come on my rear for days. You know, I love Excel. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. uh, uh, you were talking about baseball management. Yeah, whenever I'm making my trips to Vegas and playing baseball, soccer, football, if it's football season, even preseason, you know, you don't want to throw too much on preseason games because you just don't know how it's going to go. You like to play some first half, second half bets when you kind of get to the tendency of what you think is going to happen. Uh, that's why third week of the preseason is always one to target when you, if you're planning a Vegas trip and you can get down there. Mm. You can kind of get a better read on how you should bet these games. I did that with the Bengals-Bills game last year. You know, you kind of knew how long certain people were going to play. So you hammer the uh, – and then you base it off who the backup quarterbacks were. So I hammered the, the Bengals first half and bill second half i think it was and just cleaned up so you know you don't throw the house at anything you know you just stick to your your standard bet size for for pretty much anything and if you want to have a little fun maybe you throw you know 10 bucks on some long shot bets and and put some parlays together and see see what you can do just kind of knowing that it's a lottery ticket that's not going to pay off but so like Um, but, but like when you do like before going into the season you say all right i have x to spend on football for the year right or like like, like you lay out a budget for Vegas and or your season-long football bets, right? And then you track them in Excel? Right. I got the Excel sheet in front of me right now. I actually set it up like a, a week Ooh. ago in anticipation of it starting to get into the, the dog days of the summer. You know, I'm going to have to start digging in and figuring out exactly what I'm going to bet on. So I got all the, the Westgate odds in here. I know I can tell you right now that uh, Miami is 50 to one to win the Super Bowl and or 500 to one to win the Super Bowl. I was like, Bowl. I was like, thank you, not be yeah, 50 to one. Little, yeah. <laughs> that was a little too low. I was looking at the wrong thing. 80 to one to win the division. That'd be amazing. So I just got all the all these teams in each line, you know, lined up with. Um, 2018 breakdown how many games did they win what was their pythagorean win what was their estimated win which is a, a football outsiders metric they follow kind of see did they overperform underperform and then you know once you get into some other advanced stats you start you know digging all that information up adding that to the spreadsheet so you got everything in front of you so you kind of have the things you know you're going to want to bet then you get to vegas you start shopping around mm-hmm. looking for the best lines on them maybe start taking a few things off if you don't find good good lines and leave yourself with a good However many, however many bets you want to make, you know, ten, for me, it tends to be six to 10, somewhere in that range um, that I can follow for my futures bets. Yeah, I know what happens to me is I get out there at the Westgate and we're waiting to sign up for the Superbook contest or sign up for the, the Super Contest. And Pete Prisco gets in my ear like two years ago. He's like, the Jaguars are going to be he's like, the Jaguars are going to stink. I'm telling you, I was down in camp. They're going to be terrible. So I bet the under of the Jaguars is six and a half. I think you had that, too. And they went to the AFC championship game. That's so don't listen to Pete is what I'm saying. Um, the Raiders six again, I, I, the, the tangent that just occurred was I wanted to bet the more on the Raiders under at eight last year. I think it's a lot harder to take the under at six for this Oakland team that has added a ton of pieces, right? Is it though? No, it's not that hard. Is it? I mean, we just talked about it, you know, Cleveland it's, an, it's annoying. It's annoying that the off season moves they made haven't bumped this back up to eight. That's annoying. Right. Well, and you, you see, people are going to see six, and they're going to see them on hard knocks, and they're going to they're going to say, "I'm going to start betting this over." I, you know, like Chucky, I like Chucky, I like what Antonio Brown's doing, and and that'll go up, you know. So, 
if it gets to six, I'm hoping it gets to six and a half. I assume it will get to at least six and a half, and I'll probably take the under at that point. Um, even with the talent influx, they more than earned that four and twelve record last year. <laughs> they clearly have an eye on 2020 move to Vegas. John, not, no matter what happens, John Gruden's not getting fired. He can go own sixteen. You know, he's not. His job isn't in any danger. I don't think there's any pressure on him to to come out 100. percent You know, just managing with his pants on fire every game pulling off all the moves to make it work. I still think they're, they're adding young talent. They're trying to figure out what works. This is still a long process for them, and they really want to have a good season next year You know, to, to get fans in and, and draw in their first Vegas year. So I think that's really the eye toward 2020. So I don't mind taking the under at six. You know, I'm going to look for it at six and a half. I think Antonio Brown's a great number one on the field. What happens if they do struggle and they're losing games and it takes time to gel and they start you know, one and five, one and six? You know you're going to hear about it. Antonio you Brown's going to melt down. Yeah. So, so I don't trust just because they brought in talent, you know, that that talent is going to be give you 100 percent, you know, head in the game every, every single game. You know, it's just easy to get frustrated when things aren't going well. And that's not a knock on Antonio Brown. That happens with a lot of people. You know, if I was on a team that was one in five, I would get frustrated and I might lash out on people. You know, it's it's hard to keep an even keel over a long season when you're just losing games in and out. Um, so they had all that draft capital. You know, we we've, they had a great draft because they just had so many high draft picks. But are those guys going to come in and excel immediately? It's hard to say. You never know with these rookies. You know, Cleveland Furrow is a good good prospect. Josh Jacobs is a good prospect. But are they going to turn this team into a winner right away? I think that's a lot to ask. The D had the fewest pass attempts against it in the NFL last year. You know, they ranked 32nd in, in right? passing because, because teams just ran all over them. You know, it was just run, run, run. But they still gave up the most pass touchdowns. So they ranked 32nd in pass attempts and first in pass touchdowns. Jesus. So it was just e- easy to, to get whatever you wanted from them. People would, would run all over them as much as they wanted to and then throw for a touchdown. Um, is that D going to come together and, and become you know a seven-win team, eight-win team, and, and help this team get to where it needs to be? I don't think so. I think Gruden still has to prove he can coach in this era of football. You know, He was a good coach once upon a time. He comes in, high-profile drive, takes over in his first year. A team that had recently won 12 games, as you and I know, very very well they won exactly 12 games you know a few years ago and then they go four and 12 in his first year so i don't know that he's cut out for this yet i think he still has a lot to prove maybe that's the fire that gets him going and having a good year and and like i said earlier coaching with his pants on fire maybe he feels he has something to prove i like i I don't think he's going to get fired so i still think it's a long-term thing for them so if i'm playing i'm taking the under i like it at six and a half like i said i think this is a five or six win team i could even see you know two three four wins and that's not to i know i'll get raiders fans in my mentions for that but just know that they're not winning the super bowl this year but that's kind of the long-term plan this is all working toward 2020 and being in Vegas. So that's what I'm starting to look to play in 2020, 2021, when people have kind of written Gruden off at that I, point. I think some of the moves that John Gruden made were more about him feeling just completely impotent last year and like unable to actually do it. Like if they got punched in the mouth by a better team, they couldn't respond. And it was just like the one game they had that was a decent win was the, the Steelers. Um, I, I look at the schedule too, and it's tough, man. Broncos at home in that late night Monday night football game in week one to open the season. That could go either way. Those, those are weird games. Um, the, the Rams, one that I predicted they would win last year wasn't close. Then they have the Chiefs at home at Vikings at Colts and the Bears at home, uh, before their week six bye. So one and four would actually be pretty good for them at that point. Fortunately, they come out of the bye with at Packers at Texans. Oh my goodness. Are we, that might be one and six. It might be 0-7. I, I mean, I don't think either of those outcomes would be surprising. Now, could they be 
two and five or three and four? Yes. I think that that would be unlikely. But if you're one and six at that point or one, excuse me, one and seven or two and six at that point, you're, you're not getting the over because you got to go at the Chiefs, at the Chargers, play the Chargers again at home. You're at the Jets on the on the East Coast. You're at the Broncos in week 17. Um, you're just not getting to seven wins at that point. And so I, and I, they're going to have to play that second half without Vontez Burfecht because, you know, he'll be they're, playing, yeah. they're playing the Texans, you know, in week, whatever you said, seven <laughs> or eight. You know, he's going to murder Deshaun Watson on the field. <laughs> Unless. Scrape, scrape him up. You and, know, he's going to have bruised everything, internal organs. Unless uh, Vontez Burfecht gets suspended in the preseason and then he then he's back in the second half. See, that's like that, that – uh, the guy, the tap in his head, uh, gift guy. You're know, like, you can't get suspended for the second half if you're suspended during the first half. I, I'm with you. I, I just think, I wish the number, I wish the number was higher. I would take it to six and a half too. Um, Josh Jacobs could have a nice year and it probably won't matter that much. And we didn't even mention this. And I, I, somebody, one of the mailbag questions that, that we're going to answer is from a, a listener who's a big Raiders fan, lifelong Raiders fan. It's like, Hey, what, what's your deal with Derek Carr, bro? Well, I don't think Derek Carr is very good. And Derek Carr, I've been a, I've, I said I didn't think he's that good since he came into the NFL. And then he blocked me, and his brother blocked me, and uh, his brother talked smack about me, and his other brother blocked me. And so, you know, it's not really a guy that I'm going to be talking positive things about. I mean, I'm not saying there's a vendetta or anything. I'm just saying I'm not enthused by it. I will say my man Mike Glennon is on this roster, though, so I, I don't want to bash the Raiders too hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem with Derek Carr. You know, he, he is what he is. He's he gets the Oakland fans want to put him up like he's a top five quarterback. You know, there's a certain NFL analyst that put him as his number four quarterback, you know, <laughs> that, that might or might not be related to Derek Carr. Um, so I don't think you can, so his you name, can, his name rhymes with Smerrick bar. Uh, or, so or I don't think, Sm- I don't think Smaven, you can reasonably, bar. reasonably say that he's a top five quarterback objectively. No. I wouldn't say he's a bottom five quarterback either. You know, he is what he is. He, if he has a good team around him, he could get you far in the playoffs probably. But He's not going to carry you. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Tom Brady. You know, you can't you can't expect him to make up for the deficiencies on on offense. Or if you have a bad defense like the Chiefs did last year, to just take over the game and throw for fifty touchdowns like Patrick Mahomes did. He's just not that guy. You know, he is what he is. And if you're realistic about that, he can get you pretty far. You just got to know what you have in him. Yeah. And again, we reference football outsiders adjusted interceptions. Mahomes two. Derek Carr, three, had 10 interceptions last year. Should have had 20, according to their numbers. That was um, the third, obviously, uh, you know, biggest discrepancy. Actually, I think he was the, um, oh, no, he was the biggest uh, interception uh, discrepancy. Like, he had the big, like, he had the biggest discrepancy in terms of percentage of, of, of interception. Like, if you're expecting... If you're expecting regression from a quarterback, Derek Carr is your poster boy. Now, they added weapons. I do think one of the problems is, again, I'm not trying to bash Derek Carr here, but like they're going to ask him to throw deep more often, and that's going to create more interception opportunities because he's not going to be able to be checked down Charlie with Antonio Brown there. They're going to have to stretch the field a little bit with Tyrell Williams, uh, Antonio Brown, and I I just think – I I think Gruden is fine if Derek Carr lays an egg and they can move on and draft somebody. And you have to account for the interception or two that's going to happen where Antonio Brown definitely runs a wrong route slash mm. Derek Carr. Derek Carr definitely didn't know what route it was supposed to be, and he threw it to the wrong place. And we'll, we'll never know who was actually right because that'll be something that plays out during the bye week for two weeks that we have to hear about and write about constantly. So so you have to throw those into there. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to knock Antonio Brown too much. I want Antonio Brown on my team yeah. uh, for, the, for the most part. He's 
incredibly talented player and you're a better team when you have him on the field. It's just going to take a little while to come together and you have to be realistic about this team in 2019. You know, they made all those moves and they got all those draft picks, but this is a process. This isn't going to happen in one year. So uh, at six is a fair number. Like I said, I'm, I'm leaning toward the under. I want to get it at six and a half. Um, I don't think there's there's a huge chance they're in the mix there with the Chargers and if the Chiefs are still good with the Chiefs, you know, at the top of the division. Um, and then you just kind of, you know, say goodbye to them. If you're a local Oakland fan, you know, say goodbye to them. Enjoy the time they've given you and, and just cherish this year because it's going to be easy to boo them if they're if they're getting routed in certain games. But you're going to get one, two, three years down the line and you're going to miss them. You're going to say, I wish I would have treated the season a little bit more differently. So, you know, it, it's hard. I haven't been through that situation, losing a team, you know, that I've rooted for for a long time locally. Who'd you um, lose? I, I said I haven't. Been oh, oh right, 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 right. Okay, sorry. Like, so I can't I, I can't tell you exactly how, you know, it, how easy or harder it is to do. But, you know, just enjoy these last eight home games, 16 games you got with them. And then if you want to stick with them to Vegas, that's fine. If you if you're, you know, chastised, and you want to go root for 49ers or Chargers or Rams or whoever else you want to do, just, you know, go do that. You don't you're not beholden on them once they leave. You know, you don't that's, have to stick with them. So that's that's a great so, point. Just oh. enjoy this last year and then figure it out next offseason what you want to do. If you're an Oakland fan and you want to pick a new team, now's the time to do it. The Raiders would be a weird team to move off of. Like it'd be, It's easier to move off of the Chargers, and it'd be hard to move from the Raiders to the Chargers. But you're, you're being given a, a basically a mulligan on your fanhood. So you know, don't, don't, don't just be a Raiders fan just because they're moving to Vegas. By the way, the Raiders... Yes, make the playoffs plus five twenty five. No, make the playoffs minus eight hundred. Hello. Yeah, you a, can't bet that. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying like eight hundred doesn't jive up with necessarily the the over I don't know. That doesn't feel like it's necessarily all over it. Um one I noticed while I was on this page that I thought would intrigue you. Seattle Seahawks, yes, make the playoffs plus one forty. Uh maybe. We'll see. Uh I, I don't like losing Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin is such an underrated wow. player. And wow. And I don't know that I'm all in on the Seahawks making the playoffs. The, Jimmy Garoppolo has to stay healthy 16 games one year, right? I mean, he can't get hurt every single year. Um, and there's some good teams in the NFC, you know. So I think that there's going to be two playoff spots in the in the NFC East. So you're only looking at one wild card after that. Is that going to go to the Packers, Vikings, Falcons slash Saints, or is it going to go to the Seahawks? You know. So mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm all in. I liked getting them at what I get them at last year, like two plus two fifty to make the playoffs. Yeah. You know. Obviously, that's that's. You, know, you can do the math yourself. You know, I felt better about that. I like the history history with them. Now you're talking about 140, 150. I don't know that it's a great value for me. Mm, interesting. All right. Well, maybe we'll have to revisit that later in the off season. In the meantime, we got to get out of here. We'll be back Monday with a mailbag show. I'm on vacation. Brady Quinn and Pete Prisco will be filling in. The Super Friends will take care of business, and uh, it will be delightful. I will. T- I'll talk to you guys on Monday. But uh, have a great weekend, RJ. Follow him on Twitter at RJ White One. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Will.